0: There's people on their feet and everyone's singing and they're raising their hands in the air and they're, and they're worshiping Jesus Christ and God Almighty. And I am overcome with emotion. So I come back. And I come back, and every single time I am bawling, I mean, tears flowing. And I was so grateful that it was dark where people couldn't mm. see me just crying. And I start worshiping, and I'm just so grateful to be able to worship Jesus Christ. And I realize, wow, I get to praise God. I get to praise and worship God, and it's okay and we're doing this thing and it's amazing and it was an enormous new sense of profound freedom Mm -hmm. all of a sudden i was set free i was set free with that worship is a freedom no mormon has
1: welcome to the brave place where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to another episode of The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez, and we are hanging out here today with September. September, welcome to The Brave Place. Thanks so much. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we are glad to have you. And those of you listening, I think you're in for a unique treat. I really love it that you joined us today because we just had this incredible conversation that I've been thinking about ever since. I don't know. It's probably been a month ago, maybe. Yeah. About that. So I wanted to have you on because you have a really unique story and I was just totally enlightened. I, I don't know a whole lot about, The Mormon faith. But you, on the other hand, have spent your entire life in the Mormon church, except for just really the last few years. So I'd like for you to walk us through what growing up in the Mormon church actually looked like for you. And then we'll get to this in a little bit, but you even became a Mormon priestess. So your dedication and experience with the Mormon church definitely evident and undeniable. So what I'd like to do for our listeners is let them in on your story and also just shed some light on the differences between the Mormon faith and the Christian faith. So let me just start with this. Whenever I run into a friend that's Mormon and we're hanging out, we're talking, they will say they love Jesus. They believe in Jesus. So I'm trying to understand what's the difference between what they're saying about Jesus and what I'm saying about Jesus. I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way. And no Nobody comes to the Father except through Him. So that's that's my belief system. Just the difference in that right there. Can you just shed some light on that for me?
0: I would love to. First of all, um, I think that um, it's good to be enlightened and, and aware. One of the big differences is 13 Articles of Faith, um, which I was raised with. But even in the Articles of Faith, say through at least the first 10, the first things that it states is that we believe in Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. and And they do. But Latter-day Saint Mormons believe differently about Jesus. So if you were to walk into a local ward, which is a church, you know, a neighborhood church, and, um, and they're all numbered. So I grew up in the 10th ward. So if, if you walk into the ward, you will maybe find pictures of Jesus around the lobby areas in okay. the hallways, maybe. But when you step foot in the chapel, you will not find a cross, Okay. And you will not find any pictures of Jesus. So Jesus, as I experienced being raised up in the Mormon Church, he even though the the writings and the statements put him first, he is by far not first. Everything is based on works in in the Latter Day Saint Church. It's all about works. We have faith in Christian, being a Christian, and we have steps of religion in being a Mormon. So you're raised in the Mormon church as a child. You go through different bookmark steps in life through the religious process. So we have um, eight-year-olds are then baptized every, as soon as you turn eight years old, that is your baptism. No matter what, eight. No matter what, yeah, at okay. eight years old. If you come into the church later, that's all fine. You can be baptized then. But baptism even is very different for a Latter-day Saint than it is for a Christian. I have been baptized in both. Profound difference, especially within me, in my Holy Spirit. Very big difference. So eight years old is the qualifying age That you are baptized. And as soon as you are baptized, the next step is to be confirmed directly into the church. So you're baptized and confirmation. Okay. Okay. So then we march on as a female a little later. 14 years old is when you receive your, what's called your patriotical blessing. And that is where the bishop and the bishopric and the deacons, they come and visit with you as a 14-year-old girl. You're placed in a, in a chair and they surround you. Um, they anoint you with oil. They put their hands on your head and they pray into a machine. What it is, is a, a dictation of what you are to be as an adult, as a person in the world, and as a woman in the church. It's a a secret document that you'll re- receive that has been transcribed from this blessing. From the audio. From this, yeah, from the okay. audio of the blessing and the prayer that you're receiving. And that gives you your directions, you know, your map of your what your life is going to be. So what was your map? Do you remember? Um, you now, first of all, they give it to your parents and they make sure that your parents are, are guiding you in those ways until you reach adulthood and then you'll know it better yourself by then. And so my parents um, have my hard copy still to this day. But um, my job, of course, is to raise a family and to remain true to the church, um, to be a servant of the, of the church, um, a servant to the um, doctrine of the church. It said that I will, of course, accomplish great things within the church. It's mm-hmm. a very general but clear path. What what I keep
1: hearing though too is um, it's all about the church, almost and like you're worshiping the church, other than worshiping Jesus.
0: Absolutely correct. Okay, uh, a big huge difference in LDS and Christianity focuses on the church with LDS. And on Jesus in Christianity. Latter-day Saints are definitely about structured religion. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, those the steps and the procedures. In my era, which is, you know, it's, of course, I'm an old woman. now, So, <laughs> <laughs> so things have, have evolved even more so. My 13th birthday, the summer of my 13th birthday, um, I left to go with my Nana for the summer and met who my future husband would be? Did you and time out? You're thirteen.
1: Yes. Wait. Were you told he's your future husband, or
0: no? Y- you thought he would be. Like uh, you just kinda- I I I didn't know because you know the parents pull the strings behind the scenes, so to speak, with their children's lives a lot. So, okay. Yeah. So I didn't know for sure. <laughs> so I go to with Nana. I meet I meet my husband. He's twelve years my senior. So by the time that I turned 14, that next summer, um, visits my parents, um, asks them formally for to be able to wed me. They agree. Then I'm brought into the to the living room for that conversation of September. We have approved of him and he you will be allowed to wed him. And Did then he was 14. <laughs> yes. Did you want to be married? I have no thoughts on the matter, to be honest with you. Uh In the way that I was raised, you do not question the church. You absolutely do not question the church. You do not question your parents. Um, I was raised in a way very different from today where, you know, there's an old saying about being seen, but not heard. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have that much. Mm. You weren't to be seen. You weren't to be heard. You were to do what you were to do. You don't have thoughts of your own. You don't make decisions. Wow. So you just go with the flow. Right. And so I had no thoughts on the matter, quite honestly. So I was moved clear cross country and married at 15 years old by wow. a Mormon bishop.
1: Wow. Yeah. The Mormon religion is very much all about having children. So did you all start having kids? Oh, absolutely. I
0: had a lot of pregnancies. I ended up with five live births. I had some tragedies and lost a a few of my children. Um, I adopted many, many other children. (laughs) And uh, well, the marriage did not work out. Now, let me tell you this. I was married by a Mormon bishop. That means that I was not sealed in an LDS temple. Now, most Mormon marriages are sealed in what's called sealed in the temple. And what that is, so women don't go to heaven unless their husband pulls them through the heavenly veil, through the sacred veil. So your husband has to choose to want to be with you in heaven. That's how you go to heaven. Um, and it doesn't have to be at the time that you're wed. So you go through the temple process, the temple works, and you are sealed to your husband for all eternity. Okay.
1: The temple process looks like what? Are these like a, a list of sixteen, fifty, uh, so
0: hundred things you need to do? Is that kind of that kind of process? The temple scene is not um, what you would think it is. And it's it's a little hard for me to bridge this gap, but... In a Latter-day Saint temple, that is not a house of worship like we have as Christians. Mm -hmm. It is not a place where you go and praise God and and Jesus and let your love flow. It is not like that. What you do in the temple is there are several different rooms, special sacred rooms. And so each room, you visit each room. So you come in you um are led into a dressing room you have what um you call your temple clothes uh those are sacred clothing that you wear um when you're sealed in the temple you have what we call garments and those that's underwear that is under armor really. okay. So your under armor is your garment. It's called your garments and you wear those directly next to your skin. So you have your garments, then you have your temple clothes. Your temple clothes are sacred. They're clothing that kind of mimics your marriage, so to speak, to God. And so you have like a simple, simplified wedding dress. I was about to
1: say, kind of like a wedding.
0: Yes, yeah, simplified yeah, okay. wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And then um, you will go first into the room of the Garden of Eden and you watch a video about the story of the Garden of Eden and, and Enoch and all of that. And and then you go from that room into another room and into another and to another. And they're all kind of a little a mini um, class, almost a mini reminder of what the church is about. So you have the room of eternity, for example, the room of eternity is a room where there are two offset mirrors on each wall of the room. And so when you get in the middle and you look into one mirror, all you see is mirror, 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 mirror forever. And that's the room of eternity. Okay. Uh, So, and that's what we're shooting for here is all eternity in the Latter-day Saint church. So... Okay. But the only way you as a woman can get
1: there is to be sealed through your husband. In the temple. That's right. Or through the church. And to get sealed, you have to go through all of these rooms. Yes, And learn and
0: basically kind of like workshops. Yes, it is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the temple marriage is is even more involved and more sacred. So that's the temple membership or the Mormon membership is just going through all these rooms. So when um, you hear a Latter-day Saint Mormon say, I need to go do my temple work, what that is. First of all, you get what's called a temple recommendation to even be able to go to the temple from your bishop. So you have an interview with your bishop. He makes sure that you have paid all your 20% tithing. And Make sure that you have been keeping with the Book of Mormon doctrine and that you have been attending like your Relief Society classes and things of that nature, that you have been doing what you're supposed to be doing in the church. Then you get this honor and privilege of getting what's called the Temple Recommend. So everybody is always proud when they get their Temple Recommend. So then you take your recommend, you get your clothing, you go to the temple, you go through all of these, these workshops. So the very last room of the workshops, as you put it, that's a perfect word. That is, uh, again, a workshop about going to heaven and, uh, you know, it's the onboarding, going up the dock and going, being pulled through the celestial veil Right. By a man. Mm -hmm. And then you go up the dock of the spaceship and then you as your own personal God are sent off to your own planet.
1: Okay. So you would be your own personal God when you die? Yes. Like you, September. That's right. And even here on earth. Okay. We're each our own personal God. Oh, wow. I could see how that could be
0: appealing. Okay. So you went through that at age 14. I went through all the processes. And then once um, I was married and my marriage failed, then I went back into the church. And if you are sealed in the temple, that's for all eternity. However, I was not. I was not sealed for all eternity. Because to my why? Husband because I was just married by a Latter-day Saint Bishop. in, in, in a, a where were you married? In a church. Was it a Mormon church? A ward, but not a, sealed together in the temple in okay. the holy temple where we live there wasn't a local temple so i was not sealed so temple. was that
1: a concern of yours and in, in your, at that time, your current belief system, were you like, okay, eventually we need to go do these vows in a Mormon temple, like so well, that, that I could be sealed.
0: That would have been the idea. Yes. However, I'm an obedient wife because I was raised in submission and obedience. Definitely. And so my husband would lead and direct me to that. I would encourage, but he would decide we would have to travel. That just never, ever happened to be able to do that. So, which ended Ended up being a blessing because I wasn't sealed, then I didn't have to go and plead and beg the church to unseal me. Because remember, you're sealed for all eternity. But mm-hmm. yet, yeah, there's some loopholes. There's a lot of loopholes in okay. Latter Day Saint Church. Okay, and so I would have to, you know, try to find loopholes with the bishops and ask them to forgive me and allow me, you know, to marry again. Now, the only way that can happen is if I had a Latter Day Saint man. Who was very you know good with the church, uh, had great standing with the church, and they knew that that man I would be sealed to. Then they would allow all of a sudden if I had been sealed in the first marriage, all of a sudden I would be allowed to unseal. <laughs>
1: so you could reseal, <laughs> or, or well, so you right, get be, your initial be, seal that yeah, you need be
0: sealed again. If I had okay. been married in the temple the first time. Sealed to the second. Okay. So So
1: your ex, you all get divorced, was was he a pretty devout Mormon? Like did that no mess with him or did he leave the Mormon faith? He he just quit practicing.
0: Okay quit practicing. We ended up divorced and then so then I go back to the church more active again on my own. And I um I was broken. My marriage was broken. Mm-hmm. My husband had abandoned the children and I, mm. this up and abandoned us. Wow. Um, ended up with a woman 20 years younger than myself, looked just like me, but 20 years younger. And, um, and I was sick with cancer. And so I was devastated. I was broken and uh, went back to the church for comfort. And uh, I ended up taking a vow of celibacy and becoming sealed in the temple myself as a priestess. And so then I began doing my own temple work. And in that work, I would visit all the all the temples, you know, in a region, such as the Boise Temple, Idaho Falls Temple, Salt Lake City Temple, Seattle, Sacramento. As a priestess. Munich. Yes.
1: Which uh, the title priestess sounds pretty important.
0: Okay, to so me priestess in the Mormon Church. is rare mm-hmm. because most Latter-day Saint women are married and sealed to their husbands. So priestess is very rare for you to be an individual female without a male um, counterpart or dominant in your life is very, very rare. So a priestess is held close to the vest, so to speak. They're not spoken of. It's not common knowledge, really, hardly at all. We're not praised. You know, it's very humble, humble work. You do your temple work. You oversee things. I came to Arkansas and visited a couple of the local wards here to make sure that they're serving in the ways that the church requires. Well, how
1: common is being a Mormon priestess? Like overall? Okay. Like how so many?
0: There was twelve in my reign and I was number eleven. Twelve in your town? No, in my reign of being a priestess before I left the church. There was twelve. Like there are in the whole nation? In or the world. In the, in world. the world. So I you, believe there's twenty six now, twenty six or twenty eight now, but there was only a dozen of us in the world then. Okay.
1: So when you would go visit different wards in different parts of the country, they're sending you out to basically go and make sure these wards are doing what they're supposed to be doing, like following? Correct. Okay.
0: So coming to Arkansas from Salt Lake City, from, you know, Idaho Falls, from Boise, Seattle, Phoenix, Sacramento, et cetera, I come here and I visit a ward and um, one ward was doing pretty well. Pretty close to what you would find. The whole idea is just a cookie cutter kind of thing. Everyone has to be doing exactly the same thing.
1: In every town, every Every ward, ward. all over the world. Every
0: ward. And so if you go back west, there's a a Latter-day Saint ward on literally on every single neighborhood corner. It's very dominant back west. Very dominant. And so when I come out here for my first visit of wards, I was... (laughs) Kind of shocked and surprised at one ward that was just very off the map, so to speak. Uh, d- just their procedures weren't quite on the mark, their teachings weren't quite on the mark. So, you know, we had to shake the cage a little bit. They got a new bishop and got lined out. You know, it wasn't my job to be the heavy because women, you know, have no authority. No authority.
1: So you would come and basically take notes. This is off. This is off. This is off. And then take it back to the main head honchos. And then they would... Then start making the changes, right? Okay. So I
0: would come in visit the ward as just a, a Latter Day Saint church member, just a normal member, and then and attend their classes and see how things were going.
1: They don't know that you're a Mormon priestess, basically an investigator.
0: They, they do <laughs> eventually find out. Especially there's a particular ward in Northwest Arkansas that found out very quickly because they were so far off the chart. So they do uh. finally kind of put it together and they go, "Oh, priestess September." is here so
1: <laughs> yeah so to become a mormon priestess to get to that what i mean to it's be in the, the same
0: top... type of ceiling in the temple you just have to go through your you get your temple recommendation um it's a little harder to get than if you're just being married or whatever mm-hmm. so you have to get your recommendation from several people at different levels and then you're not only are you interview, but you're tested once you pass with flying colors, everything, and, and they don't make it easy. They'll kick you back a couple of steps, you mm-hmm. know, a few times, and then you go through your temple work and you qualify in that. And then you're certified. Okay. Or so what, sealed, what happens or if, sealed is
1: the term. if, uh, I say, I don't want to, I don't want to pay my 20%. I, I'm going to help and serve, but times are kind of tough on me. I, I really don't want to pay money right now. What oh. would you
0: do to me? Okay. Well, as a priestess, I would not, but your bishop of your ward, you have regular meetings with your bishop, right? A closed door meeting. So there's a schedule of members in his ward that he meets with in his office and closed door session. And he would ask you what's, what's going on. Your tithing records are amazing. The Mormon church is incredible at their records. Incredible. So so you have a tithing record from the moment that you first tithe. And so let's say for your second birthday as a two-year-old, grandpa gave you a 50 cent piece, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to tithe your 20% of that to the church. And that's going to be your first record. And so your records will go, your tithing records, go all the way back. If you are not paying your tithing, then the bishop will call you in. We'll have a meeting and he will explain to you and encourage you again on why it's important that you make sure that you pay your tithing. Let's get it caught up. Let's get it taken care of. Does that connect to whether
1: or not you go to heaven?
0: Um, well, yes, your support of the church—I mean, it's part of your good works for sure. Okay. However, I—I um, I have a whole recipe of things that brought me out of the church, and tithing—it happens to this history happens to be one of those many ingredients, and that is due to a time when my father, who has worked hard his entire life, actually had three careers that he retired from in his life, and my mother as well—one for the government, one as a state trooper, and my mother was taking care of my father who ended up with severe cancer and he was very, very sick. And my mother just could not pay their tithing and in fact needed help with paying the mortgage. And I had gone with her. We went and visited her, her, her bishop of her ward to seek help. And so he went back through the records and there was a, a two or three month period there where she had not paid her full tithing. And so, and he couldn't help her. He could not help her. No, he could not help her until she got that caught up, and then we would discuss it again. Yeah. Mormonism has a really great welfare system within their church. It's called Deseret Industries. The bishop will give you, you have to get it through the bishop and for the right reasons, but he'll give you a pass, so to speak, which is a card with a shopping list of, of boxes that are checked that he approved of that you can go to Deseret Industries um, into the warehouse and shop. You can get um, three ears of corn. You can get a half a gallon of milk. You can get one loaf of bread, you know, it's like that it's okay. very much like that at the and that's rarely ever done. So it's kind of odd, but uh, then a part of desert industries is their thrift store. And so the members all give their, their access to desert industries, getting free items when they're in need for your children or your family. Also, again, a whole nother process with the bishop who has to approve it. And then it's only a few items, only a few. And the bishop has a lot of power. Yes, he does. Yeah. For his, over his ward. That's his, that's his ward for sure. Each ward has one bishop. Yes. Okay. Now I'm probably going to make a lot of people angry with this, but this is the truth. The Latter-day Saint church is not only are they the wealthiest church in the nation, but they're the wealthiest church in the world, superseding last time I had checked the Catholic church by over 35%. However, they are not a generous church. And again, that's another very clear distinction between Christianity and Mormonism. Mm-hmm. You do not see Latter-day Saint Mormons contributing or, or giving or charitable. You just don't see it. Like financially, like out into the community. That's right.
1: So what brought you out of... I what mean, was you, my you're, recipe? You're so heavily involved at this point. How old were you as a Mormon priestess? 30s, 40s. Okay. Yeah. And so and your 40s. entire life... You, you are bought in, sold out to this religion. So every what, human
0: being I know, yeah, that I'm, every person I have a relationship with, every interaction I have, it's all surrounded by the Latter Day Saint Mormon beliefs. Yeah, it's your whole world. That's right,
1: your whole life, my entire life. Yeah, I mean, even growing up as a little child. So with that, what
0: in the world brought you out? Okay, so as I said, when you're raised in the church in the religion. That's really becomes all, you know, and it's just second nature. And like I said, you just kind of float on through. They just push you through in the ways that you need to be Mm -hmm. and you don't have to do any thinking on your own. I'm a Mormon priestess at this time. I am at the temple. I had just been on a tour of many of the temples and I'm at the temple and I have come across two families that were really Um, in some big devastations going on, some tragic situations. And I really wanted to pray hard for these two families. I just felt this overwhelming need to just really pray out for them. And so I'm in the temple. I am in what's called the prayer room. And I am praying very hard for these families. And I decide to uh, get out of my chair and get on my knees and put my elbows in the chair and Mormons pray with their hands together and their their elbows bent or their arms folded across their chest in reverence. So I'm there with my eyes closed, my hands together, my elbows on the chair, my knees on the floor. And I'm very involved in my prayer mm-hmm. and I feel my elbows being lifted up off the seat of the chair. And I'm going, what's going on? What's going on? And I have um, a couple of male members there on each side and my mistress there, the one that helps me as a priestess, like to dress and et cetera. And she does temple work. And so she's there and she says, "Uh, priestess, you can't do that here. Can't do what? And that's, yeah, I thought, oh no, I've messed up. I've been to all of these different temples, you know, in a short period of time, I've messed up. I'm in the wrong room, you know? And, and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought this was the prayer room. And she said, well, it is the prayer room, but you, you can't be on your knees in here. And I thought, wait a minute, what? And she said, you know, praises, you can't, you're wearing your sacred garments. You can't be on your knees. And I thought, wow, I can't be on my knees before God in prayer. And it just was another one of these big things that stuck in my cross, so to speak. I had also, prior to this, been at a local ward for an event. I think it was a daddy-daughter dance, but each ward has a kitchen in it. And in the kitchen area, they were busy making the hot chocolate. And I thought about this for a moment. I started kind of laughing saying, boy, as Day, we Latter-day Saint Mormons, we sure do drink a lot of hot chocolate. <laughs> we do. We drink it by the gallons. We have recipes where we make it in our homes and give it to each other, mm-hmm. you know, how to make yeah. your own hot chocolate. And um, hot chocolate's a big thing in the Latter-day Saint church. And so I'm thinking about this and, I, and I'm and i like, in the Pearl of Great Price and the Doctrine and Covenants, we have what's called the word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom is your guideline of, of how you are to be in the world, how you're to dress, how your body is to be, you know, piercings, tattoos, things like that. I'll know, know how your haircut should be, how a dress on a woman, what the length, et cetera, should be, et cetera, you know, what foods you should eat, what food you should not eat. Mormons don't drink coffee or tea at all. Those are big no-no's. And yet here we are drinking that heck of hot, out chocolate. of hot chocolate. That's right. Which has typically five times more caffeine per cup than a cup of coffee. <laughs> so is that the reason no coffee because of the caffeine? Yes. The, the whole deal is
1: no alcohol or caffeine. Okay. But y'all okay. are drinking hot chocolate like it's your job.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. okay. But no soda pop either at this time, at this point okay. in, in the church. So I had really thought about this at that moment. Why do? Why are we allowed to have this and such heavy doses too, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I kind of put that also on the back burner and I decided I wanted to look into things a little bit. And so as I started looking into things at that time... I found out in my research that the Book of Mormon itself, our sacred gospel, has over 15,000. This was then, and it's even way more now, over 15,000 major changes in the book itself. And we're not talking a word or a sentence. We're talking full paragraphs, full chapters in the book. And I was very curious about that. I went, you know, on up. To all the way up to the level of the of the prophet, who I believe was President Kimball, our prophet of the church at the time, and asked this question about this and was told the church. Evolves that the prophet receives visions and instructions from God and passes those down and we, and we evolve. And so that's why the changes in the Book of Mormon, which I thought was very contradictory to what the gospel itself says. I thought that was very odd. But at that time, all of a sudden, the prophet has a vision that some measure of caffeine is acceptable in small doses. And so therefore, he has cleared the way for members to be allowed to drink Pepsi and Mountain Dew. And I thought, wow, so specific. How odd is that? So as I'm doing these researches right now, at this point in my life, I look into this and realize that we own, as a church, own controlling stock in Pepsi Cola. So now and we have a vision that gotcha. it's okay. So you have Mormons stacking up—I mean, cases and cases—in every corner of their house of, of Pepsi, Pepsi and Mountain Dew. And Mountain Dew, right? So still no coffee, still no tea, but Pepsi and Mountain Dew are all good. <laughs> So
1: you're going through all of these questions. You're starting to look into the right. stuff and you're like, okay, that doesn't really add up. Right. That, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand this. Okay. So what was the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back?
0: That- well, the the prayer, the prayer room was the, really the, the final straw for me, honestly, it did not happen overnight for me by any mm-hmm. means. So that was the eighties when you were questioning. Yeah, when I started, barely when started. You just started question. questioning. That's right. And so through the nineties, through, you know, into the two thousands, now we, we've come to you know, many years later, many years, I started really praying about it a lot and thinking about it a lot. You know, when I tried to be neutral, I become more and more enlightened and more aware of major contradictions in the church and its teachings. And I thought, you know what? Being here in Northwest Arkansas, I'd heard a lot about the Bible from just from people Just in general, when you cross paths with people in conversation, I realized one of those contradictions in my church, the Latter-day Saint Church, was that I actually did not honestly know the Bible. I knew passages from the King James Version of the Bible, but only as they relate to the Book of Mormon. The Bible is very secondary to the Book of Mormon. You know, I mean, it's seriously the bottom of the pile of books for Mormonism. Okay. And it's so only the... used in reference to even if you go to a Bible study, which I had Bible study classes all the time, but it's still only in reference to the Book of Mormon. So I'll... the
1: Book of Mormon consists is what you would call scripture in the Book of Mormon or Yes, yeah, just... yeah they
0: the Mormon scriptures. Book of Mormon is as a translation of what are called the golden plates of Egypt. So what happened was um Joseph Smith goes out into the woods he prays and God shows him where these plates golden plates are hidden underneath a stone in New York in the bay there and he says go there Joseph and get these plates and transcribe them and so he translates them into the book of Mormon now three other prophets have witnessed these Golden plates. God has shown these golden plates to three other people after, after Joseph Smith has transcribed the Book of Mormon. It used to be in the back, but now it's in the front of every Book of Mormon. There is the name of these three witnesses and their testimony that these plates are real and true and that God has shown them to them. What is curious is that all three of those witnesses took their statements back later. They all took their, and even one- Basically said, so we did not see the plates. They all, they all <laughs> recanted their statements. Okay. And um, even one went off and started his own church, mm. um, separate from the Latter-day Saint church. A like Christian church? Yes. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what so I'm going at this point in my life, I'm going, what, what do I believe? I don't even know what to believe anymore. I'm going to challenge the books. I'm going to challenge to my left, the Book of Mormon, to my right, the Bible. I had actually found a Bible on a waiting room table that was free. Don't think that that doesn't matter because it does. I mean, to leave a Bible out where somebody can pick it up and have it Mm -hmm. is to me an immense blessing, an immense blessing. So... I pick up this Bible. They say I can have it. So I take it. I have the Bible now and I have the Book of Mormon and I decide I'm going to do a two week challenge. So for two weeks, three to five times a day, I'm going to ask God a direct question about something happening, you know, with me. I'm going to throw them open randomly and see which book comes closest to my topic,
1: right? Which is wild. Like any any theologian or pastor would say that's probably not the best way. But what I love about this is is your heart in it because it's a pure heart. And I believe God answers that regardless of how you approach the word of God, you know, And, and I know I've had random Bible openings that I'm like, wow, God, you just totally spoke to me. And I don't put God in a box like that because I feel like he can speak. Speak to us in any way. That's but right. I think that's just so interesting that you did. You laid them both down randomly asking God right. these questions and
0: and he sees you. He sees you seeking him. So I've got this Book of Mormon and this Bible and I go through this challenge two days, three days, and the words of the Bible are literally coming up off The pages. They're rising in the air to me. Mm -hmm. I can see them plain as day. I have a very clear understanding. And then over here with the Book of Mormon, every single time the Bible beats out the Book of Mormon profoundly with such clarity, there's no doubt. There is no question about it whatsoever. It's just as black and white as it gets. So the Book of Mormon is not helping me with any of these topics. In fact, chaos and confusion. And yet over here with the Bible, I have, here's your answer. Here is the truth. Here is what it's really about. And so I I say to self, okay, you committed to two weeks and you're going to give it two weeks. And so I was, I was devoted. I was committed mm-hmm. and I did give it two solid weeks, three to five times. And I'm telling you Christy, three to five times every day, every day. Yeah. I'm telling you, Christy, as sure as I'm sitting here, Mm -hmm. that every single time, without a doubt, it was the Bible over the Book of Mormon. And at the end of that two weeks, I had no problem with giving that Book of Mormon a toss, and I've never picked it up again, ever, ever again. I knew that I should not be part of this. And I was at peace with it. I was totally at peace, and it was just fine. And I said, okay, God, we're going to go with your with your Bible and we're going to see where you're going to lead me with that. So I started looking into all these little country churches trying to learn more about what people know about the Bible, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I ended up with Cross Church. Mm-hmm. And there's a great reason for that. So I'm sneaking in, literally sneaking in the back door and going into the worship meeting. You know, I'm thinking First time I went, I'm expecting something along the lines, of course, is a sacrament meeting in the Latter-day Saint church, but it's nothing like that. And so there's people on their feet and everyone's singing and they're raising their hands in the air and they're, and they're worshiping Jesus Christ and God almighty. And I am overcome with emotion. So I come back. And I come back, and every single time I am bawling, I mean, tears flowing. And I was so grateful that it was dark where people couldn't Mm. see me just crying. And I start worshiping, and I'm just so grateful to be able to worship Jesus Christ. And I realize, wow, I get to praise God. I get to praise and worship God, and it's okay. And we're doing this thing, and it's amazing. And it was an enormous new sense of profound freedom. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I was set free. Wow. I was set free with that. Worship is a freedom no Mormon has. <laughs> I just don't have any words for it. It's just the freedom of worship is incredible for a Mormon. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. Wow.
1: Wow. So tell me about your life as
0: a Christian now. Um the day that I was baptized a Christian by um Pastor Nick Floyd, which was truly amazing. It was a whole thing for me. He introduced me thoroughly to the to the church and um shared my progress with the church. And it was the greatest moment of, of my life was to be baptized. I can't even tell you, Christy mm-hmm. was the it was good. It was just so good. Mm -hmm. And so um, I get baptized and, and I knew before I stepped into the water that I would lose everything, everything. I would lose my family. I would lose my friends. I left, I lost my home. Even I became homeless on the day I got baptized. Pastor Nick asked me before we even stepped in the water, he said, are you ready for this? And some of the cross-church members were there to support me um, behind the scenes. And and I said, hey, you know, God's brought me this far. And if he wants me to be homeless today, then I'll be homeless. And that's just how it is. And anything else I lose, uh, he'll take care of me. And I just knew. Mm -hmm. And
1: so when I... What what made you homeless? Because (laughs) you were staying in a Mormon-supported
0: residence. And I had moved in with a friend and that friend did not uh, support my baptism. We'll put it that way. Not at all. Okay, Not at all. And so I had no no safety net, no backup plan because it was all Latter-day Saint related. And so I had nothing. I lost everything on the day that I was baptized. But
1: but yet you gained everything. But Christy, I did.
0: Right. I gained absolutely everything I know that no matter what happens today or tomorrow, that it's fine. It's okay. God has me and it has been fine. I've been blessed with the most incredible people who tolerate me, who put up with (laughs) me, who accept me. And I'll tell you something, being accepted is huge. I think that's all anyone wants is to be appreciated and accepted. Mm -hmm. And this church embraces me like i'm somebody like i have some kind of matter like i exist mm-hmm. i have value so i'm being embraced by these people they're accepting me they're treating me as if i'm just as as equal as they are mm-hmm. it was very confusing to me for a long time and i'll be honest with you to this very moment And this, I haven't, I'm, I'm a new Christian. I'm a new baby Christian. I've been a Christian two years, Mm. just two. And so I'm still learning a lot. And I have so much more to learn. I studied with Bible study fellowship with BSF, the women's BSF, and I learned the book of Matthew and in reading the book of Matthew, studying the book of Matthew, I understood for the first time in my life, about false prophets. And I was devastated. Christy, I'll be honest with you. I was absolutely devastated. I think I cried for three weeks straight. My eyelids were so swollen. I couldn't hardly see. And because you saw the effect of Joseph Smith, the Mormon church, all
1: of it. How and what I it had Literally, done. the majority of your entire life up to this point has been serving that. That's right. And so there, to me, there would be a tremendous amount of grief in that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I had baptized, we call it baptizing for the dead, 169 times. I had brought so many people into that church, and I just was so ashamed and so distraught. And being a Christian is like a clean slate. You're given a clean slate. And you understand that there's a God who loves you all the time, that I don't have to build up these treasures through good works to be loved and to be accepted and to be cared for. I have a church that is a lot larger than I had intended on being involved with, and yet they're amazing with me. I don't know how they put up with me because I have a billion questions all the time. And they're always so happy to help me, all of them. Mm. They're never annoyed with me. They're not put off by me. They didn't reject me because I was Mormon. They invited me into a small group class. I told them right off the start, I'm Mormon. I'm the Latter-day Saint Mormon. I told them right from the start, Christy, because I thought they were going to reject me. And they went, Oh, well, isn't that interesting? Well, good for you. Anyway, welcome to class. And so then there was interaction in this class about the Bible. And I started asking a question here and a question there. And I was embraced in my questioning and people encouraged me to keep asking questions. Mm -hmm. And that was baffling to me, but I was extremely grateful. And so I've done this evolution. And even still to this day, um, I have a hard time asking for prayer. Even Mm -hmm. I have a really hard time asking for prayer. I don't want to burden anyone. Mm -hmm. I don't want to trouble anyone. I don't want to put anyone out. And yet I feel like God has blessed me so much in my Christianity. So mm-hmm. very much. I might as well be a gazillionaire because if you went by worldly value, you know, value, that's what I feel like spiritually. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I am alive now in Jesus Christ where before I was truly dead.
1: Wow. That's a statement right there. And before too, if you would ask questions, you'd be shut down.
0: Absolutely. You just don't question
1: the church. Yeah. You just don't question the church. But here, this is a place where in the Christian church, hey, come on, ask whatever you need to. Let's talk about it. Let's explore it. Yeah. Let's share. That's right. So right now, I mean, this is a pretty controversial conversation. I mean, because there could be Mormons listening right now. So with that said,
0: what would you say to that person? I would say that I love you and I'm sorry if you feel offended because that is not my intention. And I would say, please know that God loves you no matter where you're sitting. And that took me a long time to understand. No matter where you're sitting, What you're doing, who you're with, where you're at, what's happening with you or around you, God loves you. He is amazing in His grace. He forgives you for all things, and He loves you. And um, if you're questioning where you're at in the Mormon faith, then please come and visit a worship session. Um, Feel free to, to reach out to a Christian because God is amazing. And I didn't know that as a Mormon. And I can tell you, because I've been there fully immersed, I'm telling you, Jesus is the way. There is no other way to the Father except through Him and Him alone. Joseph Smith will not bring you to Jesus or to God, sadly. Neither will Brigham Young. Neither will any of the prophets that you believe in. They're not of God. Pray to God, and He will show you the way. Well, thank you so much, September, just Thanks for your for your me, transparency,
1: Gracie. your honesty. And I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful for what God's done in you and that, you know, truly this is called the brave place for a reason. It's because people who come on here are doing some hard stuff and considering you're a Mormon priestess, you've been in the Mormon church your entire life. And now you're saying that's not the way. And it may ruffle a lot of feathers. And so the fact that you're even here today willing to do this uh, is just a testimony truly to your faith in Jesus Christ, the one true God, and how that's the number one goal here is to worship him and glorify him and all that you do, even if it means the backlash of others. And that's brave. That in and of itself to me, is a testimony that this is real, your faith is real, and I'm grateful for that. So thank you for being here today.
0: Thank you, Christy. It's been my pleasure. Well, thank you all for
1: joining me for another episode of The Brave Place. And if you have any questions about anything you heard here today, you can email me, christy at klrc.com. Christy spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-Y at klrc.com. I would love to know your thoughts and your feedback. And if you have any other ideas that you would love to hear about on The Brave Place, also let me know that too. And until next time, have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place part of the KLRC Podcast Network.